It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com, coming soon to iOS and Android. I made about five grand in five days. Wow. And I'm like, uh-oh. Because <laughs> I went from seven dollars an hour to you know making seventeen hundred a month to making now I'm making five thousand dollars a week. Yeah, mm, Brian might be on to something here. This guy, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. <laughs> so after that situation, he saw that oh, you can do the job. So then he called me and said, "Hey man, I got an opportunity for you, man. If you're interested." I said, "Yeah, what you got?" He said, "I got an opportunity out of college." Georgia Southern University, where you can go up and clean the dorm rooms for the college kids over the summer. I'm a subcontractor for this company at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, so they feed me. They feed me good. So yeah. I said, yeah, man, I'll take it home. So I took the job, went down in my first year. You know, I had about 30 employees. You know, I'm, wow. I'm jumping from, yeah, I went from me and my father-in-law and mother-in-law cleaning the offices from four facilities to getting 30 employees all of a sudden. Wow. Wow. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah. Discover my gift, yeah. Welcome to another episode of How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I'm honored and delighted to have an amazing guest on today's show. He goes by the name of Tori Lockett. You're going to learn all about his story, all about his journey. We had a chance to meet, and I got to hear his story, and I said, man, I think everyone else needs to hear your story. Everyone needs to hear about how you can transform and make a 360 in life, and everyone needs to hear how you can make a difference and a dollar at the same time and make an impact in your community. So I just wanted to uh, let y'all know in advance that this is going to be one of those interviews, one of those episodes that you you, you, you want to take feverish notes you 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 may want to get the tissue paper out in some cases you may you 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 may you may you may want to just literally allow this to seep into you because i just know i'm just knowing knowing this brother is going to pour out and share with you what he has so tori what an honor having you on the show thank you for joining us brother thank you for having me man thank you for having me baby thank you thank you thank you no doubt no doubt so so tori uh, with our show how, how i discovered my gift we go into the elements of, you know, what someone's gifting is, what is someone's, you know, essentially purpose. We go into a lot of different areas, but what I'd like to start with is, is, is take us through your journey. I, I, I have the privilege to have heard some of your story and your journey, but I would like for you to take us through from childhood all the way into adulthood and, and who you are and the journey 
that you took to become who you are today? I know it's a long kind of question, but yeah, I'm gonna try to I'm yeah. gonna try to make it as, as as short as possible, man. Um, yeah. First of all, my name is Tori. I don't like it. People call me Tori. Um, I'm also known as T Like the Money Coach. Um, I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, in a small town called Maysville. Um, I lived with my grandmother and grandfather. We lived in a shotgun house with nine of her kids, actually. We made, some of them were in and out, you know. So we had a two-bedroom shotgun house. <laughs> wow. So me, my brother, we had two bunk beds in the one room and another queen bed on the side of the bunk bed. And my two brothers slept on the bunk bed. My uncle slept on the top. I had another uncle sleeping on the, on the side of that house. Then you, on the next room, my grandmother and granddad slept in. So those were the two bedrooms. Then you had the kitchen and the dining room and living room, and that was the shotgun house. But in the dining room, I had three aunts sleeping in that dining room, you know what I'm saying, in a bed, and a couch was in there. So just to kind of give you uh, an idea of what we what kind of living conditions we were living in, fans in the windows, you know, this was back in the 70s, uh, of course. And when you walk out of my house, go maybe uh, less than a block, turn around the corner, the area that we lived in, which is called Antwerp Street, was drug infested. Um, you have your prostitutes, you have your hook. I mean, uh, 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 you have your drug dealers, you had your robbers, and this was the environment that I actually was exposed to and grew up in. You know, when I was younger. So uh, that's just to give you a gist of, of, of what I was experienced. That's the kind of lifestyle that I kind of started out with because it's like I was almost uh, destined to go this route because of. Uh, the environment that I was in. Not, not no. And another thing to add to that, I had my mom. She was in the streets. Um, my, I had two uncles that was in the street, and an aunt. You know what I'm saying? So my mom, one of my, my, my mom probably killed me for saying this, but she went to prison. Uh, uh, I had two uncles. Oh, I had another aunt and an uncle go to prison. Also after that, so everybody used to call me. Uh, my mother's son. I ain't gonna say her name, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know how she'll feel about that right now. So we'll just mm-hmm. leave the name out for right now. Understood. Uh, but um, that's just that's the environment that I grew up in, and, 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 mm-hmm. and from there, um, I was in when I first started dealing with drugs. I was probably around the tenth grade in high school, and mm-hmm. I saw a couple of friends that I was hanging out with, and they were, you know, doing something that inspired me because I'm like, man, what is this here? You know, you know, I see everybody driving their own cars in high school. I'm like, and I'm living like, uh, what's going on? I'm missing what I'm missing in my environment. But in my environment, that's what you, you know, it was known. That, that was just, that was the thing um, to be, you know, it was a drug dealer was the thing. My grandfather mm-hmm. was an entrepreneur as well, but he ran what you call those, um, back in the day, those jukebox houses. Like he, he had clubs too. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with those. People have yeah. hit houses where you go in and, 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 and get you a shot. You get some food while you're there when you get out of work. My granddad had maybe 15 to 20 houses in, in, around wow. town. I like that. You know, wow. so he he was an entrepreneur in his own way, too, as, as well. But yeah. to get back to the story of how I got into the drug game was some friends I had, and, and, and they were actually dealing drugs, and I actually inquired about it. I said, man, what y'all doing? I'm like, oh, man, you don't need to get in all this stuff. I'm like, oh, no, I need to find out what y'all are doing. Man. So I kept pressing, pressing, pressing. And finally, one of my friends, um, <laughs> I won't call no names either, but he actually gave me an opportunity to get in the game. 
he mm. actually gave me $50 to get in the game. So I took that $50 and went and bought what they called back then uh, a 50 cent piece of rock. Mm-hmm. This is what they called it back then. You know, so yeah. Uh, and then I took that 50 cent piece of rock and flipped it into a hundred dollars because that was the game. Mm. Every time you buy something, you're looking to double your money. Right. You know. So when I did that, I'm like, hmm. But the funny story, the first time I ever went out and actually tried to do this, I was in front of some projects that was like on the other side of town from my house. Um, and this is my first deal. Mm-hmm. I got a matchbox with some little pebbles in it, you know, and, 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 you know, people were running the cars back then. We were running the cars trying to get a sale. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I run to the car, see four, four guys in the car riding. I run to the car. Hey, what you doing? What you, what you need? And all of a sudden he said, what you got, man? So I show him what I have. One guy pulled out a gun and said, give me all you got. And just knocked everything out what I had. That was my first experience. Oh, my goodness. Like selling drugs. So I was, luckily, I didn't get, you know, get shot at or anything like that. So, I mean, at the time, of course, I was upset. But when I got back, my partners made it out of joke. See, that's what you get for trying to ruin and beat everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Because they stand up on the car on the block. But I'm trying right. to beat them to the punch. And mm. that was my first experience, man, with Dylan wow. Joe. From there... I actually um, just I kept dealing. Then I went from a small level to, to dealing a bigger level. Uh, then I met a, a homeboy of mine from, I'm just cutting some stuff out, but long story. Yeah. I, I met a friend of mine from, he's from Alabama, but he moved to New York, from mm-hmm. Queens. And he came back to visit and, 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 and it changed the game uh, because he was on a higher level. You know what I'm saying? So when I started dealing on a with him, and I had met a cat here that I live at now in Atlanta, Georgia. So I had a source here in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, let me, I'm going too fast. Let me back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of high school, first of all, I didn't finish high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dropped out of high school my senior year. Most of my friends graduated. I only needed to do another half a semester before I finished, but I was so caught up in the game. So I didn't even have, you know, I didn't even take the time to, to finish high school. So what I yeah. did was I had a friend of mine. And his mom will get GEDs for you for the right price. So I said, you know what? Since I didn't graduate, you know, I'm going to go buy me a GED. So I can at least have my GED if I need to get in school or somewhere down the line. Because guys yeah. was doing it. I know guys that went to college that bought GEDs from, from her. Wow. <laughs> you wow. know what I'm saying? So I um, purchased the GED as well from her. Yeah. And <laughs> I ended up uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. After that, still dealing in drugs now, but mm-hmm. I ended up in a technical school called, uh, it's called Shelton State now. Back then, it was Fred State. And I was taking up computer tech. And my teacher at the time was Mr. King. And, and Mr. King was like, uh, you know, he saw me in the street. He saw I was in, and I, he didn't know exactly what I was doing, but he knew I was into something. And he saw that I had some potential, and he was trying to pull me in. You know, he invited me over to his house. And, you know, I met his daughter, and he tried everything to kind of keep me on the right track mm. but you know of course those streets were calling me I mean, it, it, could nobody at that time compete with what was going on in my mindset you know in terms yeah. of being a drug dealer you know right. so um, I went from that point to uh, moving to Atlanta mm. no yeah moving to Atlanta I moved because I moved to no let me back up because I, I skipped a spot I moved mm-hmm. to Atlanta when I was 17 mm-hmm. with a, uh, a friend of mine right after I got the GED yeah. And 
I think I stayed with them for about a year and it didn't work out. Then I went back to Alabama. Then I ended up going to the college I was telling you about. So mm-hmm. that's, and I had to say that kind of to show you where I'm going. Um, right. So after Tuscaloosa, Alabama, when I, I kind of dropped out of technical school, then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, no, 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 back up. I lied. I moved back to Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is when I ran into my homeboy from New York, from Queens. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when me and him got together, everything changed. I mean, it's just like, okay, I went from making maybe a thousand dollars a week to probably making five or ten thousand a day. Wow. Wow, that's a quantum leap. Right, that's a quantum leap, absolutely. So, I mean, so you can see how I was just caught up, you know what I'm saying? I was, you know, I had all the women, you know, and I was pretty popular in high school, you know, so I was a football player too as well. I was, And that's okay. another thing, uh, just tracking back, you know, I was, another thing discouraged me is, is I was a football player. And of course, in my neighborhood, if you didn't, if you wasn't a drug dealer, you're trying to go play sports and, and make it to the league, um, so I broke my anchor in, mm. in a situation fooling around it wasn't even related to sports and it affected my whole career wow because I was a defensive back and I never could actually get that speed back up to where I needed to be mm. to, to be competitive with my, my peers mm. that, was, that was competing for the same position so yeah. that was another thing that you know that disappointed me and, and kind of got me off track like okay well that killed my dreams there. So, hey, this got to be it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. When I got with my, my friend, I, so I, I mean, we still dealing. We moved, me and him moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Because I bring him from New York to Alabama. We get an apartment down in Alabama and set up shop. Mm. And, and and just roll. You know, just, just do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it got so hot at that point. We were like, well, we can't stay here too long. Because, you know, the names start ringing. And we ended up going to Atlanta back to Atlanta because I had already been in Atlanta for a while. Right. Back to Atlanta and this was like around 92. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 92. And he had an apartment, I had an apartment and we just back and forth. We back and forth from Alabama to Mobile dealing. I'm, I'm going, 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 going and all of a sudden, long story short, back in 1995, January the 2nd, mm. Well, let me back up a couple days before that. About a week before that, a friend of mine who I was dealing with in Alabama, who was uh, a, a lieutenant of mine at the time that I was actually giving drugs on consignment, mm-hmm. um, got busted. Mm. Okay. And, and normally I don't deal with guys outside of my neighborhood, but this mm. guy was the person outside of my neighborhood. Because if someone got busted in my neighborhood, I would know what's going on. Mm. This guy, I didn't know what was going on because he was outside of my neighborhood. Mm. And when he got busted, he ended up uh, actually uh, being an informant with the police mm. and setting me up. Wow. So, and how it was set up was, I mean, he wanted, of course, um, it was like two kilograms of cocaine at the time. I guess mm-hmm. I'm past the statute of limitations and all that stuff. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but, yep. but he was trying to get two <laughs> kilograms of cocaine from me. And I'm like, and I told him, look, once I moved to Atlanta, then you know, after a while, I'm, you know, we're gonna chill out. I'm just gonna because I was trying to get out the game once I moved to Atlanta for a while mm-hmm. and get, you know, on to another level. Right. So they say once you're trying to get out of something, that's when all hell kind of breaks. 
Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I was yeah. trying to get out of a situation. And he called and said, it was just right after Christmas. He said, man, look, I spent so much money for Christmas, man. Can you help me out, man? Da, 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 da. And keep in mind that he had been busted. So he said, well, I need you to bring me something. I got people out here. You know, bring me two keys, man. And I'm talking to my guy from New York because we, we chilling. We hadn't done it in a while. He was like, um, I said, you know what? What you want to do with this cat, man? He's like, well, you know what? Man, we spent so much money for Christmas, man, because I know we probably spent like 50 or 60 grand just on Christmas, you know, mm. so, you know, over Christmas time. So we, yeah. Yeah, we, can, we can at least try to recoup some of that money back. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, we ended up doing another deal. Uh, I ended up um, flying actually down to Mobile, Alabama. And I had a friend of mine travel with the with the with the package and on the flight on the flight no 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 driving okay I, okay I, I okay flew. yeah flew. you flew oh your friend okay friend drove okay yeah. and my friend of mine was actually driving he drove the mm-hmm. taxi down okay gotcha and this was like right after it was like right before new year's you know what i'm saying like about a few days after christmas not long after christmas mm-hmm. and matter of fact it was new year's like about two days before new year's and I have, I called, mind you, I called my partner down in Mobile, Alabama at the time, who was in law school. And uh, he was also, you know, affiliated of mine that I was helping through law school. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You know, we kind of yeah. just, you know, gave him some assistance. Let me just say that. Right. And, and I said, look, can you get me a hotel room? Because I'm getting ready to fly down. You know, let's throw a party at... Uh, we had this. We had this hotel. The, the best hotel in power was at, back then was called Riverview Plaza in Mobile, mm-hmm. Alabama. It's downtown. You know, everybody knew the Riverview. And I told him to get me a hotel room. As a matter of fact, a presidential suite at there in Lester Apartment. You know, for New Year. So uh, I get down there. And we had a party. Everything went well. Uh, the next day. I'm getting ready to fly back to Atlanta, so I meet with I'm, I'm supposed to meet with my guy before I leave. The, the one mm-hmm. who's in Mobile, who I'm supposed to be taking the package to. Right. You follow me, right? You with me? I'm following you. Following you. Okay. So he actually was, 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 was called me that day. But when he called me that day, me not knowing at the time, but I found out later, he was at the police station when he called. You know what I'm saying? And he was wearing a wire. You know what I'm saying? So oh. he was like, Well, can you uh I said, well, he said, where do you want to meet at? So we named two or, three, two or three different places that we can meet at. But I ended up meeting at my aunt's house uh, mm. in Alabama. So wow. long story short, he came over to my aunt's house. Not just, you know, he was, I didn't know this at the time, but he was wearing a white. And when wow. he came in, uh, you know, I pulled out the package. He tested everything because he, 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 you know, he snort cocaine, so he liked to test it out. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to see what it was. I said, man, this is good stuff here. So he hit it. He said, man, this is some good stuff. But every time he said there's a good stuff, he letting the police know that the package is here. That was mm. the cold word. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. maybe 15, 20 minutes later, you know, we're getting ready to do our thing, what we normally do. And I hear some banging at the door, at all doors. I'm like, what the world is going on? Yeah. I peep out the, you know, the doors have the peepholes, right? In the doors, you know, the front door, yeah. the side. So I'm looking at the peephole, all I see is DEA. And I'm like, what the? So the first thing I do was just grab the package, and I'm telling him to help me. So I had cocaine from the kitchen all the way to my aunt's bathroom, which is, you know, around the corner. 
yeah. trying to flush it down the toilet. It wouldn't flush. I tell him to try to put something down the sink. He wasn't doing nothing because he on their side. Oh. I didn't notice at the time. You know? <laughs> oh my God. So that was it. So the DA came in, you know, they, they put me in handcuffs, put him in handcuffs, laid both of us on the floor. All of a sudden, they took him out. Later on, I found out they let him out the police car when he got outside. Now, they take me in the back room and say, hey, son, look, this is what the DEA told me. This. He said, if you don't talk to me, he said, uh, you might well take this pistol here and kill yourself. He had a nine millimeter in front of him. Mm. He said, because if you don't, you'll never see your family again. You know what I'm saying? You might well just kill yourself with this pistol. I'm like, well, you might well just get the shoes or whatever you're going to do. You know, so, because uh, he was trying to get, he said, like, what, what your, your uninvolved? No, nobody had nothing to do with nothing. It was just me. You know, so long story short, they ended up taking me to jail that day. And I actually spent a year in the county jail. I actually, uh, I went through two trials. I had a mistrial, the first trial. I had a hung jury. Um, and the second time, they struck all of my black, my black jurors and gave me an all-white jury. What? I had lawyers from New York, Alabama, and... They were like, in this little town here, I mean, you know, I really didn't stand a chance, you know, at, at, yeah. at trying to fight the government, you know. So I was actually, once once they found me guilty, I was looking at 360 months to life. What? And for those of you who can't count 360 months, that's 30 years to life. Oh, my God. You know, and... The, the prosecutor actually pushed on my sentencing date for me to get life. Wow. For drugs now. Young yeah. boy, I'm 22 years old. I'm that, 22 years old. That is, that is extreme. And, 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 and now let, me, let, me, let me put this on your mind. In the federal prison now, when you get life, they put the cease on your paper. You never get out. So just the potential of me thinking that I could possibly get life just imagine the effect that that had on me mentally oh, at 22 years old. That's you know devastating. So the judge says, you know, Mr. Lockett, am I, am I sentencing? Because, you know, I had a lot of people come in and speak on my behalf, my behalf, school teachers, my family, this or that, as character witnesses. And he said, because of that, I'm going to give you the low end of the guideline, which was 360 months. Like he was really doing me a favor. Whoa. So I got sentenced. They shipped me off to federal prison. I stayed in the county jail for about a year. They shipped me off to prison to El Reno, Oklahoma. It's a federal penitentiary. And, and I tell you, they sent me 17 hours away from home. Okay? And when I got there, I mean, I'm locked up with some, I mean, you got guys that's you know, I'm just a young cat, young drunk. You got guys, I'm, I'm with Crips and Blood from California. Mm. Uh, I had, they had this, uh, this other group called the, uh, uh, the Aryan Brotherhoods. Then they had this other gang called uh, the Texas Senecas, which is, you know, a lot of Mexicans and stuff that was from Mexico, but they grew up in the U.S. And then you had yeah. the Mexican Mafia. You know what I'm saying? Then you had the D.C. boys. They had their gang. So it was gang infested. I'm probably, that, I think it was two of us from Alabama there. So my seller was from California, so I kind of hung out with it. And these guys was in the gang. They was, I think he was a blood, a crip, one of them. I can't remember which one he was. But that's the type of environment they put me in. The first day I got there, 
they actually, I saw a guy get his head split wide open with a, with a, with a, uh, a weight bar. I'm talking about to the fact. First you see, day? The first day. Oh, my God. The first God. day. And, and after a few weeks of being there, you know, I'm so upset because, you know, I've got all this time. I'm young. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. Um, so I'm going through the lunchroom one day, and it was cold. You know, they give us coats and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm coming out the lunchroom, you know, they had a lot of racist officers out there. The officer, you know, they like to search you going out, make sure you ain't taking it out for the units or anything like that. And one of the officers stopped me and searched me. And he told me to take everything out of my pocket, coat, you know, I did. And he took my hat out of my pocket. And was like, what's this? What's this? Oh, it's just a hat. He took my hat, threw it on the floor. And I'm like, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I mean, why would you do that? So I picked my hat up. And I'm like, uh, why, why would you throw my hat on the floor? And he's like, because I like to see you bow down to me. Oh man, I turned around and spit on them. They got, I started a riot. All the guys in the cafeteria, they got me for insinuating a riot. It was, you know, came to, you know, help. But, you know, it was, long story short, they ended up putting me in the hole. Ooh. In that situation. You know, and when I got put in the hole, you wouldn't believe who I was next to. Um, I don't know, I'm sure everybody familiar with this guy. Uh, Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber. No way! Yes. You're kidding me. I, I was in the hole with this oh guy. I didn't realize. I'm like, God. this was doing that time. This was 95. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, I'm in the hole with, you know, I stayed in the hole for about a week. Probably about three or four days. But they had a, a black associate warden. And just to back up a little bit, I was also tutoring when I was, because my job was in, I was helping inmates get GED because I was working in the education department. Yeah. And, the teacher said, "Well, you know, Tori don't, you know, don't start them. He, you know, he's quiet, this and that and that." So the social warden, they all pulled together and they fought for me, and they came and got me out the hole, and, wow. and actually threw out the shot. You know, because they, they call shots when you get written up. In, in the uh, you know, wow! You know, insinuating the ride. I think they they wrote two or three different things. I can't remember everything it was, but yeah. After that, um, I stayed there for a little while, long, a couple of years. They shipped me to Alabama. Uh, Talladega so I can be close to home. So I ended wow. up in Talladega, Alabama Federal Prison. Wow. From there. So when I got there, you know, but no, back up, let me back up again before I get to Talladega. First yeah. of all, I was telling you I was an educator. I was helping people get GED. But the yeah. whole time, I was in the law library at 23, I was 23 at this time. Wow. Trying to figure out a way, you know, to get this time off of me. So I stayed in the law library every day. Every mm. day. Trying to figure a way out, man. And I lost my pills and all that stuff in the 11th Circuit in Atlanta, Georgia. So after I resolved all my remedies, I was like, oh, don't, you know, what can I do? Try to figure it out, you know? So I had to think differently, you know, because I was I was mentally messed up and physically locked up, you yeah. know? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm used to, you know, I wasn't used to, you know, being in a situation like that. Because you got to remember, right. I didn't like I was, you know, killed nobody. I was a real crime. Right. You know, I may have been, I don't even think I even, I went to jail one other time. And I think that was for a traffic ticket. Mm. Other than that situation. You mm. know, it, they made it out like if I was a a John Gotti or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was excessive. It was excessive. Yes, what they yes, like yes, 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 yes. But they had this crack law that was that that was uh uh was not fair. It was called right. they had a one to one ratio. I think Ronald Reagan put that into place. Uh, right. If you had 100 grams of powder cocaine, 
which most whites use powder cocaine. You know what I'm saying? And they knew blacks used the crack. So if you got caught with one gram of crack and somebody got caught with 100 grams of powder, they got the same time I got. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that was a... You follow me? Yeah, it was really racist laws. Really, 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 really racist laws, man. So that's what really put me in that... Because in the federal system, you have certain guidelines that they have to go by. And that's what put me in that high guideline from what I got actually caught with in the amount that the guys were saying that I was dealt with in the past. You know, it was, I was going what they charged me with was conspiracy to intent to distribute. Yeah. In possession with an intent to distribute. Mm. You know, just conspiracy alone carry a high sentence back. You know, I don't know if the laws changed now, but back then it did. Yeah. So, um, wow. I left Alabama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in that process, I did try to educate myself a little. After I took up a personal training course today, and I actually got a degree with ISS, ISSA. And when I passed that degree, you know, I just started training guys and they're just trying to get my mind right and do something different. So I said, well, you know, whenever I do have a chance to get out, I'm going to, I need something to do. I need something to be able to make a living with. Mm-hmm. You, know what I'm I'm, you know, I'm young, don't have no education, got a GED that I bought. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how I would make this work. Right. So I leave Alabama. So I went from a penitentiary, first of all, to a medium, which was in Talladega, Alabama, which is, so you went from high security to medium security. Then I finally got shipped to a camp. Mm. This was like in 2000, maybe 2000, 2001, 2002, something like that, maybe. Maybe like seven, eight years later, I had been in the system. And I get to the camp. And man, you talking about a relief. What a relief. I get to a situation where, you know, it's not as bad as some of the other spots. Yeah. But I I ran into another problem. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia now. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia camp. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much this is to talk about, but I'm going to say we were, man, we we had everything. I mean, it was just like you wouldn't even, we had cell phones, we had everything that you can think of inside this place. You know wow. what I'm saying? You had guys that would leave and come back. What? You know? Oh. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 Yep. You would have guys that would leave. And so it is back. like like some of the movies say, some of them like there's like it's like a whole a whole world where it's like it's like I'm not even out. You know, I'm not even I mean, yes, it's a different still locked in, but you got access. I mean people have access to, to drugs if they want it, access to Whatever they need. Whatever it is. I mean, you talk about guys going up because what happened was we would, you know, you, you would dress up and you know, then we had these jumpsuits. And everybody yeah. would put their free world clothes on and put jumpsuits over the free world clothes. What we call it, we say free world because when you're incarcerated, you know other yeah. people say you know, free world. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> but uh once they put that jumpsuit on, then they had a crew. Everybody had their cell phones. Well, how many people going out tonight? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So then we have X amount of people going out and you have whoever it is, family members, friends, cousins, they would be outside in their cars waiting on you so you can jump in and they would take off. And everybody would go do their own thing, whether that's going to a strip joint, whether that's going to a hotel, whether that's going to the movies, wherever you wanted to go. And then we had a, and we had a certain amount of time you had to be back. That's crazy. So we can go back in together. 
Wow. And it was all coordinated. Everything was, was organized. It was all organized. Wow. I mean, this is wow. the craziest thing I ever seen in my life. Long story <laughs> short, um, somebody ended up telling the officer on me one night, and and, and I actually had a, uh, I was outside the dorm when I was supposed to be outside the dorm. I actually had a, and what we used to do was we would put dummies in the bed. So to make it seem like we're in the bed. When the mm-hmm. officers come around the count, they thinking we're in the bed. But nobody's in the bed. You know, so, you know, and somebody ended up telling them that situation. So they ended up locking me up. Now I go to next door. I went from the camp to, from Atlanta camp until one of the worst penitentiaries, I think, in my in my time. Wow. In the world is Atlanta Penitentiary. It's, it's a forty-foot wall here in Atlanta. That's actually it's still there now. I don't know what security it is now, but Whoa. they put me in a hole. I was in a hole for a year there. A year. The time, a year. The time that I spent in that hole for a year, I would rather have done ten years somewhere else in another institution. Oh my God. That's how bad it was. I mean, we had you had four or five guys at a time in one cell. We only got two bunks, so two or three people slept on the floor. You get you get a shower once a week. You may get a visit maybe once or every two weeks or something like that. You know what I'm saying? The food came through a slot hole. You know, you, I probably lost about 20, 30 pounds while I was there. Getting oh, a shower, sleeping on the floor. Oh, I mean, when I tell you one of the worst experiences, you talk about a mental breakdown, a gene wow. strong. And I mean, I've seen guys hang themselves and all kind of stuff, you know. Wow. You know, in that situation. You know, all the time. Oh, so that was, you know, I went, after I got out the hole for in a year, they sent me to Coleman, Florida. And when I went to Coleman, Florida, this was things really, really, really began to change for me, you know, because yeah. I was like, you know what, you know, I got to do something different, you know. So, I mean, one day I was on the cell, I mean, on, on the, what they call the, the prison phones, you know, you know, I'm talking to my family member and... Yeah. I think I'm talking to my grandmother at the time, and I think I'm asking her to send me some money or something. And I'm like, and she's like, well, you know, I, I can, well, I'll send it to you when I can. This is it. And I'm, you know, I'm upset because I can't get no money in here, you know, because I'm used to having money. Right. And I know, you know, my grandma's going to do what she can. Yeah. But when I hung up that phone, you know, I walked outside, you know, I'm pissed, you know, I can't get this money right away. I got to figure this thing out. Something just came over me, you know, because hmm. I was playing the blame game. I was, I was, I was, I was always blaming everybody else for putting me in that situation. I was blaming mm-hmm. God. I was blaming my mom. I was blaming my grandma. I was blaming my father. Whoever it was, I could blame. I was blaming, blaming them for that situation that I was in. Mm-hmm. But this particular day, I know what came over me at this time now. But at that mm-hmm. point, I didn't know something came mm-hmm. over me and just said, "Look, son, you know who put you in this situation? You put yourself in this situation. You made that choice. Nobody." put a gun to your head to make you put yourself in this situation. Mm. You, know, you know what? I did this. You know, I got to stop blaming my grandma. I got to stop blaming my dad. I got to stop blaming God. Yeah. And at that point, man, I don't know what came over me. Everything just shook. Whoa. I mean, like a 360. You know 360. And, and I went <laughs> and I turned from that point on. I said, you know what? You know, because I had, you know, let, let me do, let me, let me stay for because I may be going home within the next you know, possible because I think the crack law had changed somewhere during that period, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and it took my sentence from 360 to 180. Mm. So that that cut that cut it in half. 
Yeah. So at that time, I had been I had been in prison now at that time, maybe about at least 10 years. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I say, now nah, I at least got another three and a half to four years to do. I can be home. So wow. I better get myself together all the way. So at this yeah. point, you know, I, I, I start personal training here at this place, man. And I met this guy, man. I don't want to call his name right now, but mm-hmm. this guy was a mentor to me. Mm. Uh, he helped me shift my life too. And if I wish I could catch up with him now, I definitely will, will praise him for what he did. Because uh, mm. he told me something one day. You know, we were just talking. And he was like, um, hey, man, if you want to go out here and do something different with your life, man, the first thing you need to work on is your approach. You know, the way you you, know, you got that street mentality. You know, I'm mad. I'm, and when he said that to me, I'm ready to fight. I ain't let him know that, you know? Right. You ain't ready. And you, you know, because this guy was a sports and entertainment agent. You know, he mm. had clients like Queen Latifah, Mace, Vince mm. Carter, Charles Woodson, and mm. he had been on a high level. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he was from South Carolina. So this guy knew, you know, he knew he he he, he knew the game. Mm. You know, he was trying to teach me the game on how to go out here, and get myself together, and, yeah. and, 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 and start a new life. So we became good friends and 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 and, and oh man. He taught me a lot. My mom sent me a Bible too during this process, man. Mm. And that Bible I used to read every day, man. That's why I say God is my source, man. That wow. was really the transformation. You know, that was, you know, I really didn't realize it at that point, but God had came into my life or came into my heart at that point, man, and, and touched wow. me, man, and, and shift my life around, man. And put wow. me, you know, in the right circle with the right people at that time that was at Coleman, Florida, to prepare me. For what I was coming out to be. Wow. Wow. So yeah. So it was just so I ended up, I think it was like um I ended up no some so I was I was like I had about about a year to go home. You know, I was starting to pair myself at home. And but let me back up too with the Bible thing. Yeah. Once I was reading my Bible, you know, that really, 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 really allowed me to really get myself spiritually prepared. Because I tell everybody, we all need something that's higher than us to to make that shift in our life. That's right. You know what I'm saying? You know, for me, it was God. You know, that, that was yeah. that source for me. So every time I get into a situation or a challenge, now I go to that source. Mm. Even though I got resources over here, I go to that source because I know that source ain't going to criticize me. I know that source ain't going to... You know, he's just gonna be there, right. according to his word. Yes, you follow what I'm saying? That makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, I shift from there. So my, I talked with my partners. I had two partners that came to pick me up from prison the day, was, the day that I was released, and I couldn't believe, man, I was getting ready to go home. I, I mean, there was one of the. It's almost like I was scared to walk out. It was so wow. crazy. You know what I'm I saying? But I had a friend, the, the same lawyer friend that I was telling you about. He had mm-hmm. finished law school, became a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? And he came and picked me up along with one another partner of his. You know? wow. And they actually drove me from Coburn, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia. Then I had another friend that lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He sent me an outfit to prison to wear out when I came in. So when I came home, I had one outfit. And my partners who left me, at the, they dropped me off at the halfway house in Fulton County, Georgia. And I had $200 in an outfit mm. and I had to figure it out from there you know what wow. I'm saying? I had to figure it out from there I'm in this halfway house 
been gone almost 14 years, don't have a clue, well, 13 and a half at that time, don't have a clue on what's going on out here. I'm in the middle of a recession. Didn't know it was a recession at the time, you know, because it's 2007 mm, mm. at this point, you know, and I finally get a lady to give me an opportunity. I can't remember her name, but um, it was a black lady. They had a security company and they was doing security at a Fortune 500 company here in Atlanta, Georgia called McKesson's. I came out of prison and she gave me a job that was a flashlight cop. That was my first job. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah, I'm coming out of prison to be a flashlight cop. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm making $7 an hour. Mm. You know, I'm like, but you know, I just came from making $30 a month. So, yeah. you know, $7 an hour, you know, right. I, can it, I can figure it out, you know. But, you know, I had my visions, I had my dreams, I knew where I wanted to go. You know, I had mm. a plan when I came out. So, and then the halfway house get 20% of your money when you stay oh, in the wow. house. Wow. So I'm getting $7 an hour and giving them 20%. <laughs> Yeesh. Hey, right, right. So uh, I'm working for the security company. You know, I'm just trying to get my mind right. I'm trying to figure this thing out, man. You know, I got people calling. I got guys trying to give me the package again. You know, I'm like, oh. you know, I ain't going to lie. You know, I, I grabbed a, a couple pounds of weed one time and, and tried to deal with that, but I'm like, you know what? No, this ain't fucking. Let me, let, me, mm. let me get that out. You know, yeah. you can get off track really easy if you're not focused. You know what I'm saying? You Absolutely. can have all these plans in the world, but if you're not, you know, focused, you know, you can you, you throw, you throw it off. But right. I ended up uh, leaving McKesson's, find another job, a nine to five at a company called Promethean. We was making these smart boards uh, in Alpharetta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I'm living with my sister at the time when I get out of the halfway house. And, 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 I'm living in Alpharetta, Georgia with my sister. She got a two-bedroom apartment. I'm helping her pay half of the rent. I'm trying. I got people helping me do this because I wasn't making enough money to pay the rent. So I got mm. partners and friends and family helping me pay the rent, half of the rent for her. And then I meet my wife. But I meet mm. my wife. Now, I meet her while I'm in the halfway house. Mm. We talked on the phone before. It's for six months before she even saw me because I didn't really want to tell her the situation that I was in. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? So when I did share that with her, she was like, wow, I can't believe you in this situation. You, you know, but, you know, long, it, it ended up working out. Um, we still together today. We, married, or, what, we got married in 2009. Yeah. 2000, well, 2009. Yeah, something like in 2009. So we've been married at least, I think, 12, 11, 12, 10 years. Something like 11 wow. years, somewhere up in there. Wow. Um, but that was, you know, that was the turning point for me because she had a nine to five and it was paying her pretty good. You know, I'm struggling. She took care of everything, you know, as much as she could. You know, she, I guess she saw the potential in me. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think that made our relationship a whole lot better today mm-hmm. because of the potential she saw in me at that time. I mean, here I am in a situation like I am with nothing hardly, try, struggling, trying to figure this thing out. And but I had a vision the whole time, man. Wow. I knew I did. So the, so the first thing I did was because I didn't. I knew a nine to five wasn't gonna hold me down. Mm. So I, I worked two or three other jobs, and because I worked for a trucking company called uh, a Roadway, and I was working on the dock. They helped me get my CDLs. I got my CDL license. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I caught a DUI. Ended up losing my license with that, so that didn't work out for me. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But the mm. first job I ever, well, the first business I ever started was personal training. I mm. came out and started a personal training business. And that was the first, that was, that was my first entrepreneur professional experience. Mm. Uh, and that lasted for about a year or so. But I didn't have all the business savviness that I needed to to propel it, to make it go to the next level. At yeah. This time. You know, I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, right. I don't have no mentor out here this time. You know, I'm trying to, you know, I've been gone out. I'm trying to look, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, my hustler, I'm a hustler. So right. I know how to hustle. I made it happen, you know? Yep. So after that, you know, I was having a friend of mine that was cleaning. Uh, she do cleaning and she was making pretty good money. She was making like $400,000 a year. I'm like, what you doing? You cleaning, you making 400 grand a year? I said, I need to do what you be doing. What you doing? <laughs> so she showed me the game. You know, she taught me how to strip and wax and do this and that. And uh, one day she was like, you know, I, mean, I was telling you, know, I want to start my own thing. I want to. So she said, you know what? Let's, let's get you some used equipment and we're going to get you started. I think, you know, I saved up maybe two, $300. And, and she gave me a few hundred dollars. So I ended up getting some used equipment after I, you know, stopped the personal training piece of it. And I think I spent like six or seven hundred dollars. We went to an auction. I bought some machines, used equipment to get in the cleaning business at the same time, helping her. Yeah. Remind you, my wife was in the medical field Mm -hmm. and she was running four different locations, medical offices at one time. Mm. And they had a crew in there that wasn't cleaning well. Mm. So guess who stepped in that position? (laughs) You. (laughs) (laughs) Me. Wow. So I got my first contract with cleaning, man. And I was making about seventeen hundred bucks a month, you know, still a chump change, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. And, and and I had a cousin of mine that's here, you know, that was one of my mentors too, because that was my mentor in terms of, you know, how his relationship with his wife, his kids, because that was my three sixty with that. That was the person who I looked up to, mm-hmm. you know, because we was you know we was pretty close when I got out. Yeah, and, uh, we still are today, but um, he actually was managing a million square foot in a facility. In, in, in Lincoln, Georgia. And the company that had that contract, he turned me on to the head guy for that company. He was like the district manager. And he gave me a subcontracting opportunity. Mm. I didn't have a clue. He said, he called me one day out of the blue and said, hey, Tori, Stephen gave me your number. He told me you could do this and do that. I didn't have a clue. He said, you could do a... Sh-. They actually gave my first big job for cleaning was a strip and wax job at a nursing home in South Carolina. I live in Georgia. Mm. 40,000 square feet. Mm. Yeah, I got you. I'll take care of your bride. It's good, you know? So <laughs> what I ended up doing was getting some guys that knew what they were doing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I got right. some guys that knew it because I didn't know what I was doing. I, mean, I knew, but not on that scale. Because my, yeah. you know, my homegirl was teaching me, you know, at the same time, but I didn't know it to, at that scale. But once I, you know, I got these guys, I hired about four or five guys. We got some hotel rooms in California, you know, in South Carolina. When it's yeah. stripped and waxed, this, this facility, I made about five grand in five days. Wow. And I'm like, uh-oh. Because <laughs> I went from $7 an hour to, you know, making $1,700 a month to making now, I'm making $5,000 a week. Yeah. Mm, Brian might be on to something here, this guy. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. <laughs> so after that situation, he sort of, oh, you can do the job. So then he called me and said, hey, man, I got an opportunity for you, man, if you're interested. I said, yeah, what you got? He said, I got an opportunity at a college, Georgia Southern University, 
where you can go up and clean the dorm rooms for the college kids over the summer. I'm a subcontractor for this company at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, so they feed me. They feed me good. So yeah. I said, yeah, man, I'll take it home. So I took the job, went down in my first year. You know, I had about 30 employees. You know, I'm, wow. I'm jumping from, yeah, I went from me and my father-in-law and mother-in-law cleaning the offices from four facilities to getting 30 employees all of a sudden. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is mind-blowing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So my first year, in three months, after paying all of my employees, hotel fees, and all that stuff, I think I walked away with about 71 grand. Mm. My first year. Mm-hmm. The next year, it doubled. Mm. Mm. The year after that, it doubled. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So about three years in, you know, I'm I'm making 200 grand, 250 grand in a three-month period. Mm. And sometimes, you know, I decided at that point what I wanted to do with my life the rest of that year. Mm. You know, I, I had this contract. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what I would do was you know, even though I made all this money, I would, you know, flip cars. I got into the flipping business. I blew a lot of money. Of course, you know, I blew a lot of money. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, was, mm-hmm. you know, I was paying a hundred thousand dollars. You know, I well, I actually paid eighty thousand dollars for a truck for my wife, which was the dumbest move I ever did in my life. Mm-hmm. Then I turned around to pay thirty-five thousand dollars for a Lexus LS four sixty. So I'm just because I don't know nothing. I don't know what to do with the money. I got all mm-hmm. this money all of a sudden now. You know, mm-hmm. I got two, three hundred grand sitting in the bank. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm talking about legally. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right. That's a lot of money for me. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, know, yep. you know, think about that. You know, I, yeah. I didn't know how to handle that kind of money at the time, so you know, I tried. I just had to figure it out. You know, yeah. vision. I just had to figure that thing out, man. But one thing I did have, even though I was blowing a lot of money, making a lot of money, the one thing my grandmother did teach me was. To live below your means, mm. no matter what you make. Mm. That mm. kept me out of a whole lot of trouble. Even mm. though I was making all this money and didn't really know what I had coming in was going out, I know I had more coming in than I had going out. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. With the lifestyle that I was living. Because right. even though I made, if I make a dollar in my situation, I probably was living off 50 or 60 cents. Mm. Maybe mm. 60, 60 cents, you know what yeah. I'm saying, or that dollar. Yeah. The other 35 right. or 40, I was, I was putting it up. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and so, long story short, the cleaning business propelled me. It was the seed money for... So, I went... Now, that ain't through it. So, I went from there. And, and one of the guys that I was subcontracting with that worked for the company, he got he called a DUI one summer. And they fired him. And he was working for this company. So, he knew another gig that this company had at a private school here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and he called me one day. He said, hey, Tori, man, I got a contract opportunity. Another contract opportunity. I'm already doing Georgia Southern, uh, Clayton State here in Atlanta, Georgia. So I had like four or five, excuse me, different colleges that I was doing over the summer. So mm-hmm. I'm generating three, $400,000 over the summer. You know mm-hmm. what I'm wow. And he come to me with another opportunity from a private school here in Atlanta, Georgia, where a million-dollar contract. He said, man, I got a million-dollar contract. That mm-hmm. get. I do not have any capital. He said, we can go 50-50. You bring the capital to the table initially and, and, and we can go in. I say, bet. Mm. <laughs> you know, we, we got, not knowing what kind of guy I'm getting into business with, mm-hmm. none of that now. I'm just mm-hmm. done. Right. You know? and, and, and 
you know, once I jump in, long story short, we got a million dollar contract. This guy don't, he don't have no money to, uh, 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 we got a $30,000 $40,000 a month payroll. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I had to foot the payroll. Mm. For the first couple of times, even though I'm getting a check, I was getting my money back. I'm like, you know, he went, you know, when he went to buy boats, cars, because he just he went from making twenty dollars an hour to mm. all of a sudden making anywhere from hundred to one hundred fifty dollars a year, dollars a year. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> the financial literacy piece. He skipped. He skipped that part. He, he skipped that part. Mm. He, you know, I already had a business, so I already had. I understood some of the business, you know, tactics. Yeah. You know, he had no clue because he was working for somebody else. Now all of a sudden he into a business. So we started mm. a whole nother business called Total Cash Janitorial. You know, mm. outside of Fresh Start. So I'm like, you know, you know, man, you better get it right, man. He would never so the third time he didn't have his payroll again. You know, I started charging this guy, man, 10% for mm. not having his payroll. So he was paying me 10%. Mm. Now his money, just because he didn't have this piece, this part. I'm like, man, I got money coming in from everywhere. You know right. <laughs> You know what yep. I'm saying? Yep. I got people that I got friends I'm loaning money to mm. that give me interest for loaning them money. I would loan fifty, hundred thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars, you know what I'm saying, out the friends. Yeah. Yeah. own businesses themselves, you yep. know, at this point. Cause you know, I'm starting, I'm making a name for myself a little bit. That's right. And I'm like, man, I got a million dollar contract. So I'm making a hundred and fifty thousand just off this one track contract. I'm making three, four hundred thousand over here. So I'm making over a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. Legally, yeah, <laughs> you know, with no with no marketing and nothing, mm-hmm. all word of mouth. Wow, you know what I'm saying for a guy like myself, no GED, yeah. no education. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm like, wow. You know, I had mm-hmm. people working for me with master's degree. Yeah, yeah. And Look at that. Not, no, not to belittle that. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just sharing with you just a point. You know, that right? No matter your mind, no matter the situation that you're in, it's possible. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did you feel me? So- man, Tori, I, I <laughs> totally feel you, man. Like, I'm just like, uh, I've, like, I'm so engrafted in your story. Like, th- like, I don't have any questions because I am just like, I want to hear what's next and what's next and what's next. And I'm sure the listeners hear this as well. And they know they listen to my, I'm, I'm being candid with you. Every episode I have questions. I have, I am just soaking in your story. I can't wait for the book. So, so I just want to, I just kind of want to just kind of go back and come back to where we are now. And then, and then, and then I'd like to go pick up back from where you just, where you just stated. So you come from a, an environment where you're surrounded by, uh, you know, uh, drug, uh, uh, paraphernalia opportunity, things of that nature. You, You know, you had family members that were caught up with the law and everything like that. You end up, you know, and 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 for listeners, it, it, there's a theme I'm seeing in, in Tori's life, and this is for anybody's life, is that whatever your environment is, you, you usually become what's your your environment is. So that's that's what he in the first phase of his life, that's what he kind of kind of got dr- drawn into. And you could also see from from Tori's story how uh, that entrepreneurial spirit was always there. That was woven through the journey. So. It, whether it was done illegally or legally, that that same spirit was there, and and he was using it to um, to obviously he had entrepreneurial drive and vision and organization because 
you can't run an operation doing five to 10 K a day. If you don't have structures and people you heard, he mentioned there was a Lieutenant, there was people he delegated to that were in position to do this and to do that. So, so from that, we, we, you know, you enter, you enter, uh, and when we spoke, this is exactly what I said, when you entered the pit or, or jail prison, that was the, the Joseph experience. You go into, you, you go into, to, to, to this whole thing. And, and you mentioned, you know, you had a hard heart for the first part of it. God shifted you, uh, you know, you had that breakthrough moment, that 360 spirit moment, and God is, you know, directing you to change and, and take responsibility. He took responsibility. And now you are getting paired next to a mentor. And I, I believe all of this is divine because where you got moved, when you got moved from what, that one set, the one um, camp, to be able to put in Florida, you would never met your mentor had you not had had that experience. So you meet your mentor who's been successful in the entrepreneurial realm, just like in jo- Joseph's story, right? He had to, he had a favor, he had a relationship with the warden in the Bible, and he also had a uh, um, he had two people that worked for the uh, work for Pharaoh, the king, essentially, and that gave an opportunity. So when you were came, when you came out, you were prepared to seize the moment because you had been mentored strategically it's like god's hand is all over your life right so then you you leave there you come out and i I just wanted to highlight just a few points in this for for listeners that you know when you came out right you you had somebody that gave you an opportunity and you you took the opportunity no matter how small you were faithful with little right You, you humbled yourself you know you're used to making when you're used to making tens of thousands of dollars in a day to go to seven dollars an hour uh, that is not easy to, to humble yourself to do. And you did that. And what's interesting is also in that, in that experience, as you meet your wife, um, uh, and have a conversation with her for, for the six months and, and, and just, you, you said something so powerful that you had someone that saw something in you beyond what you saw in yourself at that moment. And, and your wife saw the greatness in you and she saw the vision, but you also had something that everyone should have no matter what circumstance you're in is no matter what level no matter what things happen into your life it should never destroy your vision you had a vision never destroy your vision. you, you I, know if you're in prison you should be free from that um if you're on drugs you should be free from that if you're in a bad relationship you should be from, free from that if you got mm. financial world you should be free from that i mean it's just it's, it's about freedom mm. you know what i'm saying you, it's, nothing can take the place of that i've been free in my personal life and professional life, I mean, for over the last 10 years at minimum. Mm. You know what I'm saying? From my yeah. relationship, you know, I came out and everything that I prayed for when I was incarcerated, um, being an entrepreneur, uh, having a good relationship with my, finding a wife and having a good relationship and having a child and being a better father and just being an all around uh, 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 good person. You know, mm. I prayed for victory in every area of my life. And God has delivered on that and beyond that. Wow. I'm still doing that today. Because wow. everything that I say again, pray for, is happening in my life tonight. I'm getting wow. ready to do the book now. Yes. I, you know, I wanted to write a book someday. You know, people say, Man, yeah. you know, I'm getting ready to write the book now. Finally. Nice. Wow. So, Tori, yeah. this is so powerful. So, so take us to where you are now, right? Because um, you, you, you got us caught up to the, the, the cleaning business. And I know you've had, uh, you have other ventures and, and you're a millionaire, you're successful, uh, successful wife, successful family, father, um, uh, a leader. And 
And now you're also in real estate and real estate investment investing. And then, and then there's the coaching side and now how you help people through financial coaching in, in, in your work that you do. So take us there. Okay. So let's, let's jump to, let's, let's jump to the real estate piece. <laughs> Cause yeah. you know, I'm making all this money now. Yeah. I told you I was dipping and dabbing and flipping cars. I, I started, I had about, I can probably say about at least 10, 10 different ventures that I started then finished just testing it out and see i used to do um i had a car what they call it a uh, transportation business where yeah. guys we would pick up exotic cars mm-hmm. and i had this 52 foot trailer where we would put cars into and transport them across country you know i did that for a little while you know just kind of you know because i'm trying to figure out ways to utilize the money i do have now i'm trying to and i'm going somewhere with this and the reason i'm saying yeah. this is because I'm trying to figure out how to take that money that I have and to make more with that money. So my money can work more for me than I am working for the money. Right. Right. You know? So I had some guys doing that. And then, you know, it dawned on me, you know, let's get into real estate. So I, you know, I, I started getting into real estate mm-hmm. and I said, well, you know what, what I'm going to do, am I going to pay somebody to teach me how to do real estate? What I'm going to do? You know, then I, you know, I say, no, nah, you know, what? I'm just going to go out here knowing me. I know everything. I'm gonna figure it out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I, I ran into a friend of mine that knew some guys. I wanted to flip houses, mm-hmm. and he turned me on to one guy that flipped that flipped flipping houses. I'm learning some of the game. The guy let me hang around with him, and I started investing with this guy. So mm-hmm. I think my first investment was like, you know, I started out with about twenty five grand with this guy mm-hmm. uh, at the time, and just investing with him. He already flipping, so he's showing me the game and giving right. me a return on my money. So mm. we did a deal. We went well. You know, I went from 50 to 25 to 50. I went from 50 to 100. Mm. And then I met another guy that was, uh, I'm just getting a return on my money at this point and learning the game. Mm-hmm. Then I met another guy that uh, was, was doing flipping as well that a friend of mine's turned me on to. And I started with him the same way. But once we got to like the $100,000 mark, this guy here actually man they was actually double selling the houses man they started scamming mm. i ended up losing a hundred thousand dollars in a real estate deal mm. ouch i'm like what you know my wife first of all my wife let's back my wife told me not to do the deal with it so, mm. you gotta mm. so that's mm. the other piece that you gotta if you're married you gotta you gotta yeah. pay attention to those those those, those intuitions from the Absolutely. wife you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That, you know, i ignored that she told me not to do it i did it anyway when I tell you, you know, I wanted to go back to my street life after I lost that hundred thousand dollars, I'm like, you know, mm. but I realized, you know, I got a family now. I can't, you know, you know I'm, I'm, you know, to lose, right. I, even though I had three or four hundred thousand dollars to lose a hundred grand in the bank, yeah. to lose a hundred grand, yeah, that's a lot that's, of money. That's a lot. You know, and yeah. then it was the first piece of money that I lost. So I, I lose money with this guy, and then the first guy I was telling you about, I ended up losing fifty grand with, but not because he was scamming. But it was because he was over leveraged. He was over. He was doing more properties than he really could handle, and mm. he lost his connections with the with the hard money lenders, and mm. everything just went downhill. Yikes! You know what I'm saying? So, but so after that, I said, you know what? Let me just start doing this thing on my own. So I started buying properties on my own in Alabama, in my hometown. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, in one of the neighborhoods. Uh, that I actually grew up in, 
well, well the second place I moved into. Yeah. Which is called Down the Bay. It's close to downtown. So I yeah. bought my first real estate property for uh, it was a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars cash. I think I put like maybe twenty grand into it. Mm-hmm. And it was worth hundred and fifty thousand dollars, hundred and sixty thousand dollars. After closing costs, I think I might have walked away with about twenty grand or so, twenty five grand after everything was over with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, I'm okay. I did that within like a three month period within nine yeah. days. You know, um, then after that, you know, I kept doing bigger deals and I was getting a bigger return. And then I had investors start coming in, wanting to invest with me. So I started getting two or three properties at a time. Mm. You know, so long story short, I started building up my real estate. And then I jumped from flipping to renting, to renting. Mm. So I started mm. buying properties for income producing. Uh, mm. uh, 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 so cash flow, let me say that. Yeah. So once I caught on to that game, I went from flipping game to the flip from from the flipping game to the buy and hold game. Mm. And when I learned about the buy and hold game is when you buy, I bought my first property buy and hold in Montgomery, Alabama. I paid seventy five thousand dollars for this property. Mm-hmm. I put about fifteen twenty thousand into this property, and it was worth like a hundred and thirty when I finished. But I didn't sell this. What I did was lease it out. Not lease it, but you know, put a tenant in. Lease, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. I mm-hmm. lease agreement with a tenant. Yeah. The tenant actually wanted to lease the property. I leased it out for a thousand dollars a month. Okay. And the tenant came back to me and I hired a property management company because it was in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And the tenant said, you know what? Well, my property management company said, uh, she wants to rent it out for nine hundred dollars a month. And I'm like, now why would I do that? Why would I let her why would I cut my price a hundred dollars? And she was like, Because she's gonna pay you up front for a whole year. You know what I'm mm. saying? This is my this is my first rental property. Mm. So she ended up paying me up front for a whole year. You know, mm. and, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I took when I first got that lease with her, I went to her, a, a, the bank, well not a bank, but one of my lenders, and said, you know what? Can you give me seventy percent of the value of this house? Mm. So I ended up pulling out of I think it was like one thirty. So they ended up giving me like maybe I think it was like seventy seventy five seventy thousand seventy five thousand on mm. top of almost the ten grand she gave me. So mm. think about it. I done pulled just about every dime that I put back into this property. Mm. Out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I got cash flow and my mortgage is about $600 a month. I'm getting $900. My mortgage is five eighty four. Matter of fact, to be exact. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting $900 a month from her. Mm-hmm. So I got $300 in cash flow. I don't have no money into the deal. Mm. And the mm. property was suddenly appreciating. So I just made mm. money five ways off that one property. So when wow. I learned that game, that changed my I'm like that changed my perspective on investing is because wow. you know they call it the bird method. You buy yeah. it, you renovate it, uh, you rent it out, uh, 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 refinance it, and then you repeat the process. Yeah. You know so yeah. that's when I started building my real estate. Mm. I started buying, mm. you know, so right then I, I ended up getting only like seven properties and I sold four of them. Wow. Which I hate I sold because mm. You know, you can't you just just hang on to everything because right now the big heads minds guy they they buying up every single family house that you can think of right now. Mm. So it's something going on with that. I follow the money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If you got yeah. if you got BlackRock buying up all the houses around here, what you yeah. think is going on? They know right. something, right? Yeah. If, if, yeah. If you got the hit the top heads fund guys out here buying single family properties. Mm. What would you think? Would you think something going on? Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. You know? So yeah. that 
so now I'm on a journey to I'm looking for commercial. I'm looking for my first yeah. big commercial deal, which is storage units, multifamily, anywhere from 30 to 50 units. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at on the real estate side right now. Yeah. Um, in a day now. Wow. And, this, uh, this, this, this is amazing. I'm, I'm just you know, like, I'm, so you, uh-huh. you said real estate, and there was something else you wanted and to talk financial about. Financial coaching, the, the coaching, financial how, coaching. Did, how the coaching come in? Well, how well. the coaching come in? Yeah, the coaching came in from throughout all this process from when I first started business and up until the point now. Can you imagine how many questions I get from family, friends, and people that I meet? A lot. So I helped a whole lot of people start businesses. Uh, loan the money to get their business growing and it's like you know what let me get into this let me and, and, and first of all cleaning was something that I just did for the money let me back mm-hmm. it wasn't yeah. something that I was really passionate about mm-hmm. what I was passionate about was actually making an impact on somebody's life changing mm-hmm. somebody's life with what I'm doing I want people to feel the freedom and the flexibility that I have in life whether that's in a relationship whether that whether you financially free for money from the, mm-hmm. from your nine to five whatever that freedom is from you that's what i want people to feel i want yeah. you to get that experience because there's nothing like having some flexibility in your life i mean mm-hmm. yeah everybody want to try to be a millionaire billionaire but how I many you know we're not all going to be millionaires and billionaires mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. but you can create some freedom in your life and, and build that net worth up to where you know you can match your lifestyle to whatever you know your finances are yes and live that life that you desire to live you know, yes you know what I'm saying? If that makes sense it makes perfect sense you know perfect. that's how i got into the coaching side of it I, mm. my wife we, we talked about it and you know what i'm saying you know what i'm gonna create a program i'm gonna create a curriculum where i can actually help aspiring entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to actually you know how to start a business how to shift their mindset from a consumer mindset to a producer mindset because what it is people don't realize even from the incarceration piece mentally if I wasn't strong and figured that thing out mentally, you know, because I had a vision while I was in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a vision of what this life was going to look like while I was in prison. Right. So I'm a true believer in you got to have a vision. That's you know right. what I'm saying? So we came up, you know, somebody, you know, we were trying to figure out names and all that. You know, I said, you know what? My wife and her friends were talking one day and it was like, you know what? How about unlock the vision? What you think about that? So mm-hmm. unlock the vision hit me. Unlock the vision. Mm. UTV. So that's how I came up with the name UTV financial coaching that. and all wow. of that stuff, man. So wow. I'm here. Um, I'm here with you today. Yeah. I actually got, um, I'm writing the book now, like I say, and the yeah. book is going to be also a part of my life story yes. and the financial coaching piece. You know what I'm saying? And I have a marketing company on that side too. You know what I'm saying? So Beautiful. it's all, everything is going to be coming full circle here. Uh, yeah. Probably within the next year on, with, the, with the financial coaching piece. Oh, amazing, amazing. I want to help close the wealth gap in America. That's one of my biggest visions. Uh, I want to contribute to that because, you know, when it comes to home ownership, we're the lowest on the totem pole. When it yes. comes to entrepreneurs, we're the lowest on the totem pole. Mm. When it comes to net worth, we got the lowest net worth out of any mm. nationality. Mm. And that, that, that bothers me. Mm. That's, that, you know wow, that's, 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 that's the problem you're, you're, you're designed to fix and to solve. Yes. Yes. I love, I love it, Tori. Man, like, I hope, I hope you got a few more moments for me because I got some, I got some other questions for you. Is that cool? Um, so, so, um, when you, when you distill all this down, like, you're such a fascinating journey. And like I, I said, I am going to buy multiple copies of the book and I'm going to get them to give them the young people and people, uh, that I know. Uh, but, but 
when you think about your gift, when you distill it all the way down, what do you, what what do you think is your gift? Oh, I think I have uh, the gift of encouragement for one, mm. encouraging people. Um, I definitely feel like I have a an entrepreneur spirit for sure. That's 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 because I think that every drug dealer, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. want to be an entrepreneur. That's real. That's real. You know, so I went from a hustler to an entrepreneur to the professional side. Mm. If you think about it, what when we're a drug dealer, we're trying to figure out figure out a bigger, better way to actually come out of the situation that we're in. That's right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You yes. want to work for ourselves or, or figure it out. You know? Yeah. Because I know a lot of good guys that I met while I was incarcerated, man, that 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 really sharp guys, man. I mean, mm-hmm. Amazing. Man. So so speaking of that, right, because um, you know, uh there's still still drug dealing is still going on today, right? And it's mm-hmm. people are, are well at it. Um if 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 there are drug dealers listening to this episode right now. Uh, what would you tell them and what would advice that you'd give them just in general or from an entrepreneurial perspective? What would you say? Um, probably if I met a drug dealer, now if I met somebody that was in a drug game, uh, what kind of advice would I give them to a yeah. person? Depending on, first of all, I would probably tell them, man, hey, uh, you don't have to take this route. I mean, there's, there's so many other routes that you can take. I've literally, even though I made a lot of money in the drug game, I've made more money legally than I ever made illegally. Mm. So I would share that with them. Then I would tell them, look, hey, I mean, just try it. Just do something different, man, and, and, and get you a mentor for one. Mm-hmm. And, and and be willing to take risks. Be willing to make a change. You know what I'm saying? Be willing to, to examine yourself and 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 and. and and accept responsibility that hey, you know, this really because you you go into prison one way or another. I don't want. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's inevitable if you mm-hmm. keep doing drugs. I mean, I knew this. You know, mm-hmm. at some point, you know, it's in our mind that we don't think that we're going to go. But if you don't heed, you know, what's going on right now, you eventually going to get killed or go to prison. That's really the mm-hmm. way ways out. Mm-hmm. So I would just encourage them to try to change and do something different and go another route, man, and and, and, mm. and, and, and get some mentorship and hope that I would be able to lead them and mentor some of them. And, and matter yeah. of fact, I really want to go back to that halfway house at some point and encourage some of these guys to, you know, to help them build their credit and and, 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 and give them some advice and, and, and just point them in the right direction, man, and, and mm. give them hope. Give them hope and let them know that, you know, you can use your obstacles as a stepping stone to get to the next That's level. That's real. Yeah. That's real, and 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 so something that I, I also like to highlight, uh, Tori, that I, I I'm sure is there that most people don't get to see from your story, is the hard work that you put in behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Can you give us a glimpse? What is it? You know, what does it take to build you know a successful cleaning company? That the, the the development that you had to do, the 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 mental work that you had to do on yourself to develop your your pers- personal development wise, oh. and what 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 did you pour into yourself? Because nobody really sees those those unseen hours. Well, for one, man, I'm, 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 gonna go, I'm gonna go back to to the main thing, and that's my source. You got you know, God was my source, man. I, I prayed mm. every day. I, the first thing I do is get up in the morning every morning, mm-hmm. pray and meditate because that helps me start my day off. You know what I'm mm. saying? And, 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 you know, exercise because I like to keep the brain fresh. 
but yeah you got to have that tenacity man you got to have that you got to have that, that that thought process of you know i can't be pulled apart no matter what situation i'm going through nothing's going to stop me you know i, I i'll right. never give up uh, one of my favorite verses in the bible that i like to share with people is is, is, is uh the book of james that's my favorite book in the bible mm. it, it talks about uh trials and tribulations you know what i'm saying uh, uh, uh it says count it out joy whenever you face trials and tribul- whenever you face trials and somehow something like count it out joy whenever mm-hmm. you face trials right and temptations right. yeah something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and, 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 and um when i read that verse you know count it out joy whenever you face trials and temptations mm-hmm. because the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance mm. finish his work so that you could be mature and complete so when mm. i thought about that you know i never give up man i just i just push myself and you got to be in love with taking risks man mm. i'm a risk taker as you can see from mm-hmm. 20 if you can see from going to prison from a young age right i was already a risk taker mm-hmm. you know for entrepreneurs out there you have to be willing to take risks. that's you know, right you have to be able to remove that fear and 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 and, and understand that um fear is part of the process you got to yes. act in the face of fear Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so all these things and the challenges that you know you're going to face in, in, in starting this business right. um you, you just failure is part of the process let me just say that you That's cannot right. just learn from each failure that you that you have create systems you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying uh, uh 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 be decisive yes like the brother i couldn't say it better than the brother uh, uh who's his name was it invest fence uh i can't think of his name but he said he said a four he said a four principles that were help you build your business and, and that was really some of the principles that i actually utilized mm-hmm. he said be decisive in what you're doing mm-hmm. um he said um be your authentic self mm-hmm. surround yourself with the right people pick the right type of people to be around you and grow mm-hmm. your business you know what i'm saying and create yeah. a system create mm-hmm. a system to help you scale yourself you know what i'm saying That's right. so if i just had to sum it up into a nutshell i would just say utilize those four principles and 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 and, 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 and with grit with with courage with, with you know never giving up yes you can't be stopped with god in your heart and plans in your head you, you never lose that's good that's good you know? and, and and so my my uh just last two questions for you tori mm-hmm. is one is um uh how can how can people get plugged in with you uh, from the from the work you do on the on the financial side for UTV, and if they're interested in learning about your coaching, learning about you know maybe the real estate investing, how can people get plugged in with you and learn more about okay. your service? They, they, they can get plugged in with uh, UTV underscore financial underscore coaching, and that's my Instagram account. Uh, you can just go straight to my website at utvfc.com. And those are the two ways that you can get into me in touch with me currently. I currently have a marketing team in place that are working on some things to uh, get me set up on other social media sites. So that'll be coming soon as well. But those are the two ways that you can find me right now. Beautiful, beautiful. And, and the last question we ask all our guests on the show is, in, in your opinion, Tori, what, what's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose? One's gift Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah. And one's purpose. I think that your gift, I think that your gift you're born with. Um, and I believe that your purpose is something that we kind of, you know, figure out along the way, you know, the reason why you're doing something. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? 
the gift is like it's, it's, it's something you're naturally good at. The purpose mm-hmm. could be something that you can work at becoming good at. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like I don't know if you ever read the, the book uh, Purpose Driven Life. Yes. Yes. Great book. book. <laughs> Great book. Rick Warren. Yes. Yeah, Rick Warren. That's who that yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving. That's what that's what I think the difference in, 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 in love. Love it. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much for blessing oh, folks man. today. If there is there anything that I didn't ask you that you maybe wanted to share on as we leave, as we exit the, the show that you want to share with people and you feel uh, like man, you left I it all on the table. I think you did a phenomenal job, man. I, I appreciate you having me on this site, man. Me on your podcast. Um, first podcast I've ever been on. Wow. Name, oh, man, so, you did great. And, and, and many more to go. But yes. I wish you many blessings, my brother, because I know you're going to go far. I can Thank see you, it in man. you. Like when I met you at Invest Fest, it was like, you know. Wow. You know, I just felt the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So I can I'm see humble. you going to, to, to many, many heights. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, brother. That means a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you for blessing the show. I know I know people are gonna be blessed just as much as I was hearing the show. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, man. All right. I all over the world, struggling to find it. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to how I discover my gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S.com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.